0: Now, The Final Hooter with Adrian Jackson and David Parkinson.
1: Hello, hello and welcome. It's another Love Rugby league.com podcast. We are The Final Hooter. My name's Dave Parkinson and the aforementioned Adrian Jackson is looking at me down a Zoom call. How you doing, mate?
2: Unluckily for you, you got to see my ugly mug. I've got
1: a face fit for radio. Oh, you and me both, to be fair. You and me both. Um, tell you what, we've got a right ram-jammed, packed, full show coming up. I can't Ooh, believe what the guest scary. list.
2: Not a list. It's unreal. What a
1: list. Shall I reel it off so people know what to expect? So, we're going to hear from Lee Mossop. We're going to hear from Richard Marshall. We're going to hear from Ben Flower, Chris Hill, Tim Sheens, on being appointed the Combined... Nations all-star coach. Uh, we're going to hear from Zach Hardacre and Tommy Makinson We've not had a guest list like that in ages. Still a line up, that one is. Yeah, that, that that's an interesting one
2: with um, with Tim Sheens, isn't it? It's like the Exiles is back in, in play again.
1: It is, it is. I mean, the Exiles was in play between 2011 and 2013. Then, like a lot of ideas in Rugby League, things changed and it got booted out, changed with the bathwater, so to speak, but it's back. Mm. Combined Nations, All-Stars. First of all, we'll we'll just touch on this first, because I think it's a good place to start, to be fair. Uh, Do you think they've got it right this time round?
2: I think so, because rather than it just being... uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll go back to what what the original concept was. I was was actually a fan of it, to be honest. I, I enjoyed the concept. Maybe were a bit too adventurous having a three match series, was it? All right.
1: They certainly too? they yeah. certainly made it a two match series, didn't they? Later on, I think.
2: Yeah. Maybe it was a bit adventurous doing that one. Maybe she just stuck it with one game. But yeah, I I, I like the concept at the time. Uh, this version of it, they tweaked it a little bit because now they can introduce uh, not just overseas players, can't they? So it's got a bit of crowd appeal about it.
1: It is, it is, and hopefully by the time it takes part, which'll be the twenty fifth of June, over at the Halliwell Jones Stadium, we can actually get some spectators in to actually have a look and be there well, firsthand. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, I think, like you said, there's there's four thousand tickets that are going to be made available for it. So it's up to everybody to snap them up as soon as they get uh, released, isn't it? It's not the only international that's taking part that evening, by the way, because England women are playing against Wales women uh, just beforehand at six o'clock. So uh, again, that's a tremendous opportunity for for women's rugby league, again, isn't it? On the on the stage, and it's going to be played in front of the Sky Sports cameras.
2: Yeah, it's a good platform for the ladies games to high, high, highlight that big, start that again. Yeah, it is a good platform, isn't it? Puts the, it puts the women's game in the spotlight, doesn't it?
1: Uh, and then if if your if your appetite's not been wet enough by those two matches, you've got a wheelchair international to look forward to on the Saturday. Now we haven't got a kick-off time for that yet, but it is going to be shown on BBC online platforms. So I'm really looking forward to that because it's a it's a it's a wild and rough game. is rugby league, so I want to see how it translates to the wheelchair version.
2: I've seen footage of the wheelchair game, and I'll tell you what, it's brutal.
1: Uh, shall we go? <laughs> I'd, I'd love for us to be able to go to Sheffield and take that one in.
2: As rugby league journals uh, that we are, we, we forever mention in commentaries uh, and stories about how tough rugby league players are. And the wheelchair guys, my word, it's not for the faint-hearted.
1: Definitely seriously. not. Definitely not. Uh, well, seeing as we caught up with the main man, Tim Sheens, and his appointment as the Combined Nations All-Stars coach, let's hear from him right now. I just want to sort of ask, having achieved virtually everything in the game, uh, what attracted you to this particular position?
3: Uh, look, I, I suppose it was because of the representative uh, nature of it. You know, I've done a fair bit of it, obviously, over the years. And uh, uh, the fact that I wasn't I wasn't involved with the club at the moment, so it, it gave me the opportunity, you know, it would be awkward. I think doing it if you're busy with a club, it's around what, round 10 or eleven is a pretty important part of the year for all the coaches. So so it worked out it's worked out well for me there.
1: And I guess it's an interesting challenge as well, isn't it? An interesting concept.
3: Yeah, well, coming to England in the past, uh come over to play England in the test matches or the you know the four nations and company. So um you know, I've I've enjoyed that. I enjoyed working with the Australian side. So working with the uh with the overseas players and of course now it's opened up to you know uh british isles players you know from wales and ireland and um scotland and so on uh as well as the french so virtually i've inherited the Catalan side as well so uh, or quite a few of them so um uh, farge and people like that who i work with a little bit at um salford so it does give you an opportunity to um Although it's a short preparation, but I'm used to that. I've done plenty of that over the years with uh, one-off test matches in Australia and uh, city country and that type of thing. So I'm looking forward to the challenge.
1: You mentioned there about, um, you know, sort of having such a wide scope for selection. uh, Does it take you back to those days when you could look at, like, the entire
3: country selection type? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, in Australia now, a lot of the guys are opting to play for the New Zealand out of the NRL, obviously, and then you've got Tonga and so on. So you've got to sort out um, your priorities. And and in many cases, uh, I had as the Australian coach the priority. In this case, Sean will get the priority with choice first, particularly with us limiting the numbers to about six a club. So, you know, if he takes five out of one club and I want to take four, that's not going to happen. So right at the moment, um, I'll work with Sean on those things. But, you know, I... I added it the other day, something like a little over 70 players with just uh, the the exiles, let alone now with the expanded vision of it. Um, uh, you know, it'll it'll be in excess of 100 players. So, you know, we're going to be able to... If we miss one option at a club because, you know, they're, the that the Sean's been there and uh, sort of uh, grabbed what he wanted and it doesn't leave much for us or, or you know, we go to another club. And,
1: uh, just a final question from me, because I, I know everybody else will want the their, their say, uh, but from from your point of view, you mentioned there about short rep coaching, you know, it's a short short term position, isn't it, kind yes. of thing, yeah. how does that differ from, say, like if you're the national coach, because you still only get like a, a little bit of time with your players really, don't you, by comparison?
3: True, um, yeah, it's a little different, in that after a period of time, I was with them five, uh, nearly seven years in Australia, so it gave me the chance to get to know the majority of the players, particularly the senior guys, you know, Cameron Smiths and Billy Slaters and Jonathan Thurston and uh, Lockyer and them until he gave it away and then Cooper Croc. So, yeah, you know, you're working with them regularly. So it was an easier when you first got together and you use a similar language that we, by that, by means of the course for the players and various things. Uh, so, you know, we got together fairly quickly, but in a one-off week, it was a bit like city country games that I've had three or four of. Uh, You've got to be very basic and just manage them. You're not really coaching them um, in a one-off game. You're not going to try and change their style or change the way they carry the ball or whatever, whatever. It's just got to be a very quick uh, fundamental plan and, um, and use the fact that they'll be, they're talented people and, um, and uh, they, give them a basic game plan and let them uh, just get them enthusiastic about playing it. And uh, I think playing English will be obviously that, even if you're Irish (laughs) or Welsh. (laughs) So um, I don't think motivation will be a problem. So I think it'll be, there'll be a fair bit in the game, actually.
1: Thank you very much, Tim. And best of luck. A pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Can we, should we do hands up now guys? Tim Sheen's there. Interesting to find out as well from that press conference because I've got to be honest, you know, although we've got four minutes, of Tim there, uh, he was actually speaking for about forty minutes, and in that time,
2: not when he gets going. You know?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, he certainly did get going, and 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 uh, in that time, he also revealed that Andrew Henderson is going to be working alongside him as his assistant, which is a good move for Andrew, isn't it? Good experience for him,
2: isn't it? You know, he's been the assistant at Warrens in a few seasons now, uh, head coach at the London Broncos. So to work alongside the maestro that is Tim Sheens, of all his experience. It's a win-win situation for Andrew Henderson to learn from him uh, and test himself out on the international arena as a coach as well.
1: So that was the good news that came out of the RFL uh, on behalf of sort of the international game. We did hear some, some, some bad news and some sad news over the weekend, didn't we? With the, uh, the death of Jeff Grayson. Now, Jeff, Started his career unbelievably back in the nineteen seventies. Played on right the way through to the mid nineteen nineties. So he actually retired at Batley where you looked up, he was player coach at the end there. Um in nineteen ninety five. That's one heck of a career, isn't it? Over seven hundred professional games.
2: Forty six, you know what I mean? So the boy, the man, uh, could not just play as a boy, but played uh, well, you were playing forty six years of age, playing rugby league now. You'd have all the way jokes being thrown at you, wouldn't you? So to play at a high level like he did for that long, that just showed you the skill and the durability of him as a player. I have seen um, a few words that from Brian Noble about him. He said probably probably one of the most best one of the best players he's ever played with.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, fantastic servant to the sport. Uh, Mentioned his spell at Dewsbury, almost 240 games for them. He was successful over in Australia, played eight games on a short stint with Cronulla Sharks. They loved him there. Then he had a long stint with Bradford, over 200 games, ended up at Leeds as well. And during his time, uh, when he went to Leeds, he represented Great Britain. He was the oldest Great Britain international to take the field at 36 against the Kiwis back in the 85 series. Then he went back to Bradford, had uh, almost, well, exactly 100 games for Featherston in a three-year stint, and then finished his days off at, uh, at Batley. Uh, again, just, just a... A great servant to the sport, and he actually had the distinction of playing against his son in 1990 when he was playing for Featherstone. So you know that that's what you call that's what you call a whole family outing, that isn't it?
2: Based on those stats, other than that uh, little stint in Australia, a proper Yorkshireman, didn't you fancy coming over to play for, over the big county play for Wigan or Centre or anyone?
1: It makes you wonder whether he had the opportunity to, doesn't it? You know, but I, I'm sure they would have looked to and probably have looked on with envious eyes because of what a good, solid Yorkshire forward he was. You know, um, again, it's a, a sad loss to Rugby League, that in my opinion.
2: Yeah, our thoughts do go with the Grayson family and then. Um, yeah, I mean rugby league throws. The word legend gets thrown around quite loosely sometimes, but there there was a legend of the game.
1: Very much there
2: so. There won't be any other guys going playing up to forty six. I mean. You look at today's players now, some of them are throwing the boots away at the age
1: of 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, the longevity of that career is, is something to, to marvel at. I also remember another player had a, a similar sort of career, uh, again played for a, a ton of Yorkshire clubs called Graham Hyde. He was playing for, for Doncaster in the mid-90s at the age of like 44, 45. So, you know, the these guys had real longevity, didn't they? And it does make you wonder whether anybody will ever get anywhere near that anymore.
2: Well, oh, 53, mate. The wee he's
1: still knocking about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 interesting. And and then uh, you've got Quintin Tonga guy over at uh, over over at uh, uh, Keithley this season, actually taking the field with his son in a recent friendly. So he's 36 and his son 17.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because he, he swapped codes in me for the season, so we'll we'll try and have a word with her and QLTs, so if we can get him online.
1: Yeah, it'd be great to get him on, wouldn't it, and have his have his thoughts on what what it's like playing with your dad. <laughs> playing with your dad and swapping codes and swapping codes as well. Yeah, yeah, he he'll have an interesting tale or two to tell, won't he? But um, yeah. <laughs> We are underway now for the 2021 season. I'm so glad that we're able to say this. So we've had all the pre-season friendlies done and dusted. Uh, we've had a couple of testimonials. Obviously, we're going to hear at the back end of the show from uh, uh, Tommy makinson and Chris Hill. There was another testimonial game that took place as well for Adam Milner over at Castleford. So, and And I didn't realise he'd been in that cast team for 10 years. That's crept up on me.
2: I think it has crept up on everybody, hasn't it? Because nobody expected that one.
1: No, no. I mean, I I remember him. I remember him coming through and I remember him playing against the Australian schoolboys in uh, 2011. And I'm thinking, he's a decent lad, that. He's a decent lad, this Milner. I hope that he has a good career. And he has had a good career, hasn't he? And it's still continuing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think about Tommy Makinson and Chris Selfie, feels like they've
1: been around for years. Oh, it does, yeah. Well, I mean, like... Chris Hill made his first team debut, I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, 2005 in a struggling side in Super League uh, at just 17 years of age. So, you know, um, he's been a fantastic professional and long may that con- career continue as well. And, and Tommy Makingson, what a gent, you know, the ultimate gentleman in, in rugby league. Let's just not mention his band that he got last year, because that was for something ungentlemanly. <laughs> but but a, a top bloke, a real top bloke as far as rugby league goes
2: a, a, a stories break within the world of the league all the time, um, I'm sure someone must have heard our podcast because no sooner have we done our first podcast, um, that we get the news that um, Darryl Powell is leaving Casford at the end of 2021.
1: Yeah, and what, what is it with coaches announcing before the season starts that they're going to leave? So we had Steve Price saying, I'm going home at the end of this season, and now we've had Daryl Powell saying, Right, that's me done, I'm, I'm heading off. I mean. We, we did have this conversation, didn't we? And I think as far as Daryl Powell goes, he's been there an awfully long time now. You know, eight years is a long time at a professional rugby league club. Uh, they reckon that your shelf life as a coach is about five. Uh, so maybe he's looked at the succession planning at, at Castleford and thought, mm, I don't know whether I can carry on this, you know, keeping them going at the same sort of level that they've become accustomed to.
2: So he never listened to the first fan Hooter Podcast of Twenty Twenty One and heard me make that comment and thought, you know what, Agent Jackson's. Been a <laughs> have I been in the job too long, or did I have a, did I have some inside information?
1: Did you have any inside information? I'm going to ask you straight out now. Don't look ruefully at me. Don't 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 go making making that I'm not up. Not
2: revealing sources.
1: <laughs> HP. Oh yeah.
2: Okay, I will reveal my sources. Uh, Salah crew.
1: <laughs> I hope it's Not the Heinz it. one
2: No, there are other Salad creams uh, varieties available by uh, the way. Bramwell's Yeah, yeah, that the- sounds like your favourite
1: it. <laughs> it definitely is, yeah You, you, you know it's, me too well
2: Daryl Power goes, obviously now his focus is on next, uh, this season, they would be hoping to end on a high, he's already said now he's told the players he wants to enjoy his time with them in training sessions in matches and oh, hopefully uh, end the job on a high uh, it'd be interesting to see where he goes all, all of a sudden everybody's tipping in with a job at Warrington but he's distancing himself away from that haven't
1: he? he he has done I think I think everybody's distancing themselves from any potential jobs at the moment because wasn't Sean Wayne being linked with the Warrington job too and he said uh, as well in the local Wigan paper look I'm not interested at the moment I've got a job to do with England
2: he has so it'll be interesting to see who will be the new man at Warrington and the new man at Castleford now. As for Warrington, you've already turned around and said, you think they're going to go to Australia? Mm, uh, I, I do. Think, I think the solution's already at the ground for them.
1: Right. Look uh closer. Lee
2: I'm not mentioning names, so they I don't want to do that. But I think the solution's closest to home for them.
1: Oh, you can't go! You can't go climbing up on me now, Adrian. After all these years, it's just that this isn't normal. This isn't you. You're normally, you know, out there with your opinion.
2: Well, I think okay then. I think you should give Andrew Henderson the gig.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we've already mentioned Hendo in the show, haven't we? You know, saying about what experience he's built up. He'll, he'll learn a, a lot off Tim Sheen's working with him with the Combined Nations uh, All-Stars as well this year. Um, and he's been there or thereabouts, had a good record over a couple of seasons there at London Broncos, didn't he?
2: He did. And like I said, he's been the assistant at Warrington a few years now. He's He's been working with, with Steve Price since Price he turned up at the club. So, for me, he's the obvious choice now. Whether the ball at Warrington have other ideas, well, we'll find out at the end of the season.
1: Mystic Jackson speaks again. Who knows whether that'll prove to be right. Go and put a fiver on.
2: As for the cash for the job, I haven't got a clue.
1: No, I have to admit, I've not. I, I, again, I can see him potentially going over to Australia. Or maybe someone like um, maybe well, someone like Danny Orr will want it.
2: You're as obsessed with the Australian coaches as uh, as as clubs are signing all Aussie players.
1: Hey, stop it. Stop it. I'm watching the NRL as well, mate. That's why.
2: Buy British. Let's buy British from now on. We we've left the EU. Let's leave the Australian market as well. Buy British for rugby league.
1: Brexit, Jackson speaks. <laughs> I, I'm not getting involved in that conversation. You know my thoughts. I, I would go... And have a look in Australia first of all, but maybe, maybe someone like Danny All wants it. You know, he's been around a long time as an assistant coach now.
2: Me certainly. Has. So, like I said, that's for next season. Let's concentrate on this season. You mentioned the Challenge Cup getting up and up and running. Um, and West Wales were are kicking off, weren't they, against Widnes with with the majestic uh, Gavin Henson. And Rangi Chase in their lineup. And I'll tell you what, the publicity worked for them, Park. You haven't looking at the the figures, watching the the BBC
1: red button. I think I think I saw something that there'd been a hundred thousand views on it, you know, which is okay. massive to be honest on the coverage that, you know, as far as uh, the early rounds of the Challenge Cup is concerned. I know in the past the BBC have been particularly happy when they've got 20, 25,000 for the amateur games, you know, and they they've mm. been playing against each other. So to get a hundred thousand eye sets of eyes on that fixture, you're right. It does show, and and with the likes of Rangy Chase and and Henson, I think they're in for a first season there at West Wales. They certainly had a a, a a bit in their arsenal early on, didn't they? I mean, they really shot Witness and came out of the blocks and flew at him.
2: Ah, uh, they looked good for twenty minutes, but unfortunately, the turning point was the sending off, and they were up against it after that, I'm afraid. And Witness were able to take control. But like I said, I, I think the the publicity of having Gavin Henson on debut. Um, certainly, spiked a lot of interest in that game. Hopefully, when League One starts in May, that will continue.
1: I hope so. The final score in that one finished West Wales 4, Witness Vikings 58. Special mention for Jack Owens, by the way. Grabbed a hat trick and kicked seven goals, you know. So, fair play to him. I think he's got in the top 10 scorers in Widness history now. So, it just shows that, you know, he, he is that guy who they're going to go to this season, isn't he, I think, over at Witness. he's He's the man.
2: Yeah, I think we are going to be based in the the span of the team around, like Danny Craven, Jack Owens, and um, Logan Tompkins.
1: Got to say, there's some great games in the Challenge Cup this weekend. Whitehaven 23, Dewsbury Rams 16, perhaps the pick. I mean, Whitehaven had a man sent off late in the first half, didn't they? Uh, And still managed to to beat Dewsbury. I thought this was a cracking game. Greg McNally proving the the decisive player in the end with a drop goal and that, that try in the corner.
2: Played well Whitehaven, didn't they? I was really impressed with Whitehaven. They looked like they could be in for a good season uh, when the Championship starts uh, in a couple of weeks' time.
1: Anyone else impressed you from the first round?
2: Yeah, there were some impressive performances, weren't they? I mean, uh, the best player I saw on show was, was the standoff for, for York.
1: Oh, uh, Hagen. Yeah, that's the man. Yeah, tell you what, he, he does look a player. Him, I, I know that um, they've done really well to get hold of him. He's only twenty-one. He's an Australian, but he's an Australian that we hadn't heard of in this country before. So Brendan well, O'Hagan, he's gonna. I
2: thought was a No, no,
1: he's not. He's an Aussie. He's going to be writing his own headlines this season. I tell you, because he, he's very organised, likes to take on the defence as well. And uh, yeah, you're right. I thought that uh, as a result. It meant York looked particularly effective in the thirty points to six win against Sheffield Eagles.
2: Impressed with York, they look like they're going to be up there, don't they? I know you're, you're, you're a bit unsure about how they're going to go in the championship. Mm. But got a lot of strength and ability there.
1: I just think that they're putting a big target on the back. And I've all and I've thought of that because they've they've signed big this season so there is big expectations to do well and in the past they haven't had those same expectations so I'm, I'm really interested to see sort of how it goes but best of luck to them because I've always loved the trip to York to be fair so uh yeah I really want them to do well
2: there was no player for, for the round but I thought the performance of the round it- it's got to be um, Bartley. Bartley was brilliant.
1: Bartley was superb, yeah. Tom Gilmore rolling back the years to when he first emerged at witness and was being, well, he was being linked with um, being the next great hope for halfbacks in the country, wasn't he, at the time? He, yeah. he, he really did turn back the clock and that was his game. He, he had that game in the palm of his hand and basically controlled it from start to finish. They were good, Bartley, very good defensively, great up the middle of the field, took the chances. It was a game of a few chances, really. Uh, Logan looks like he's going to be a player for them. And Isn't it nice to see Jody Broughton get back on the field again? Because he's had his injury problems over the last yeah, few years.
2: I thought he'd be tired, to be honest. So when I saw his name being named on the line, I was like, well, Jody Broughton,
1: I'll oh. come back. On the flip side, I was a little bit disappointed with Halifax, particularly their half-backs. They just didn't seem to gel. They just seemed to be doing a lot of running around and prompting and not really going forward.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it's the first game together, isn't it? So and they'll be looking to get better as the season progresses.
1: Arguably the try of the uh, of this round came in the Swinton game, Swinton against Newcastle, right at the end. The appropriately named Geronimo Doyle breaking through, backing up the backing up Lloyd and, and finishing off over fifty metres. He looks some player. Very exciting. I was impressed with Swinton, to be fair.
2: Look good, didn't he? Uh, learning curve for Eminem O'Carroll at Newcastle, um, to be honest. But you know, Swinton not really good, eh? Newcastle made a bit of a game of it in the second half, didn't they? But, you know, damage he's done already, isn't
1: it? I think so, yeah. Mike Butt was also very influential in that game, scoring a couple of tries, uh, absolutely picking the pocket of the fullback on the first and then snapping up an intercept right on the stroke of half time when it looked like he'd been done for numbers and he just got between and the ball bobbed up. He got between and, and, and sort of ran 50 metres and went inside the fullback to score. Yeah, really enjoyed uh, my time. At that game, to be honest, I thought it was a, a tremendous occasion. Um, I also thought Oldham did particularly well. This one a bit more of a, a bit more of a Whitman-like performance to see off Barrow, although there was a lovely try from Danny Langtree in it. It was also a long-range effort as well from uh, uh, Shaw, the former Hull Rovers winger, uh, and, and Warrington winger, of course, earlier on in his career. Uh, and then the other two games that we haven't mentioned, Featherstone Rovers 41, Bradford Bulls 16. I didn't see any of this game. The result looks really impressive for Featherstone, who have really done well in pre-season and and certainly put some points on teams. So they look like they're going to be, you know, one of the teams to beat at the championship level this year. Uh, And London Broncos, they did everything in their power to overcome Keithley. They needed it. Keithley really tested them at times.
2: Gave them a real good test, didn't they, and Lee? And they'll be feeling pretty disappointed they didn't
1: get anything out of that game. Yeah, I, I, I get that sort of feeling as well, to be honest, because I thought that they gave everything. And at times, particularly second half, they actually had London on the back foot, you know, quite frequently. Uh, they were rescued by a performance from their half bat Meadows, I think. He, he was buzzing around and he had to really lift his game after Corey Aston went off. So it's nice to see that. All that has resulted... In the second round of the Challenge Cup, uh, already being done and dusted, but we can tell you who's playing who. So this Saturday, it's Featherstone Rovers against Batley. That's being shown on the Sportsman.com website, YouTube and Facebook page. On Sunday, we see Swinton Lions taking on Oldham on the BBC Sport Online iPlayer and Red Button service. Uh, Following them... London Broncos host York City Knights at half past two, again on the BBC Sport Online iPlayer and Red Button service. And then rounding off the weekend, as far as Challenge Cup action goes, it's Widnes Vikings against Whitehaven. That's five o'clock kickoff over there on the Sportsman website, YouTube and Facebook. You can see all of those live and free, which I think is tremendous. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Um, any of those ties particularly stand out for you, Adrian?
2: Yeah, some cracking games there, Parky, And I'm sure the viewers of the and that, that's a new one on me. And then the, the league app and the BBC Red Potter into the tree. the um, treat. Standout game for me, it's, it's got to be that London Broncos when they get caught.
1: Two potential championship heavyweights going head to head.
2: That's going to be a belting game.
1: I, I'm looking forward to Widness against Whitehaven. I don't think Whitehaven will be quite the pushover that maybe Widness might be expecting.
2: Yeah, it's going to be tricky for Simon Fingers, men. Uh, I'm sure Whitehaven will be buzzing after that uh, win against Jews being the first round, so they'll be travelling down through the the witness ground confident of being in round three.
1: Mm. So we'll be talking about all of those ties on our next episode. Uh, I want to move us on a little bit. I want to, again, just just touch on internationals, because obviously we've heard that uh, England have this mid-season international set up against the combined nations. Wales, Scotland, Ireland haven't announced anything. Wales coach John Keir, quite happy not to have an international at this stage. He's looking forward to the end of the season and he wants more... Uh, miles in the legs of a lot of these players that he'll be picking from because a lot of them haven't played for 12 months. However, one guy that's looking for a big year in particular is Ben Flower. He's just signed on at Lee. He's a 17-cap international. Some people forget this because he's been around, again, ages, but he hasn't actually played for Wales since 2013. So I caught up with him and I asked him what would be a good year for Ben Flower.
4: Um. Obviously, a successful year would be just making sure I get as much game time as I can. I didn't, didn't have um, the last sort of two years at Wigan but uh, a few issues with uh, my back and, and then obviously the hamstring injury. So for me, it'd just be, a, you know, I know myself if I can get out and play week in, week out, that's when I get the best, that's when you get the best pen flower. So um, for me, it's just making sure I'm, uh, I'm playing week in, week out and making sure I'm stay healthy. Um, and then, you know, obviously, Staying up with Lee would be amazing. And then for us then obviously to move on and into the World Cup uh, I haven't played. I haven't played since the last World Cup for Wales, which is a long time ago. So um, it'd be really nice, I, you know, probably not going to get another World Cup in now anyway. So um, be nice to uh, play another World Cup with Wales and uh, and see where we go from there. You know, the group we got is pretty tough, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll enjoy that one
1: because of the injury on the unfortunate aspects of it and the recovery period behind it um do you feel that you, you you're now behind the set of forwards that have already got like a game time before them and you've got to almost prove yourself in the squad
4: yeah you can you could say that um I feel like I've got enough experience to you know for them to warrant that and um, make give, give it give it a couple of games and I think I'll be up and running um you know, done some conditioning today, and you know, I feel like I was I was at the front of the pack with the forwards up already. You know, that was after a week of training with them, like so. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fit enough. Uh, it's just getting game game fit now, uh, which will take a couple of games. But um, just making sure that I stay out on the field and making sure I play as much as I can, and uh, I feel like that will benefit the team me with my experience.
1: You mentioned before about moving on. What was that like? Moving from being at some place for as long as that?
4: Um, it was. It, firstly, it was. It was really sad to leave. Obviously, um, you know, I've been there a long time. Uh, my kids were kids were born there. Um, I had some real good mates there, and you know, feel like I feel like Wigan were really building something special. You know, you can you can tell that by the you know the squad they've got. Uh, and I, you know it would have been lovely to have been part of that, but you know that wasn't to be. And um, you know you move on from that. You know I think I feel like as a player you're only you're only passing through anyway. We're all we're all passing through. Zach will pass through there. He'll he'll get to a point where he has to leave at one point, whether he retires or he moves on to another club. We're only ever passing through, and um, that's just you know the way of rugby. And you know that's just the way it goes and we we've we've just got to deal with that and you know I've got a fantastic opportunity here to give give uh what I can to to Lee and give the experience to the to the younger boys here and 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 just enjoy it and, uh, and see where it takes me from there
2: I'm surprised that he mentioned these lottery numbers coming in that'd be a good year for him
1: <laughs> that certainly would hey did I tell you I came up on the lottery did you? Yeah, it was the Lee Club lottery. I've won ten pounds. Yeah, I've won, I've won ten pounds. I'm going to invest it. Don't
2: spend it all at once, Parker.
1: Uh, I'm looking for a Bitcoin. Uh, a Bitcoin investment. Can anybody suggest one to me?
2: <laughs> ben Flower, good, good play for for Wigan, wasn't he? All right, he's always going to be. Uh, and the man seen to be knocking out Lance or in that uh, grand final. But he's a rough, tough player, isn't
1: he? He is, he is. And there's a little bit of skill there with him as well. You know, he can get an isn't offload he? away occasionally, can't he? You know, so I'm looking forward to seeing how he, how he settles in at Lee and, and drives that pack forward.
2: he Lee, you've got to keep a match fit. Well, Wigan failed to do that in recent
1: season. Well, he mentioned it. You know, his last two years, he's been fairly restricted on appearances and, you know, he's looking forward to putting that behind him and getting out on the field and knocking out as many minutes as he can potentially <laughs> do. I think that's a that's a rugby league setting and a half, isn't it, these days? Nah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we heard about new boy in the camp. Let's stick with new boys because new to the coaching ranks is none other than Richard Marshall. So he stepped up from being an assistant coach at St. Helens, was previously a head coach in the championship at Halifax. He's moved over to Salford and uh, this was him talking all about his move and how he's settled in with the Salford Red Devils.
5: Yeah, there's been a lot of change at the club. Um, obviously coach, uh, staff, players. Uh, quite a lot of change, but with change comes freshness, uh, new ideas, invigorated players. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to the season and we've had a wonderful pre-season, getting to know the group, the players, the strengths, uh, the weaknesses, where we need to improve as a team. Um, yeah, and being really collaborative in our approach to the to the game, really. Um, it's exciting. It's an exciting time for Salford, uh, obviously going against The current champions on Friday is really exciting as well. And we're looking forward to that challenge. Certainly does seem to be excitement about the players that you've brought in. But when you look at it as a coach, what do you see as the the bare minimum that you believe is achievable? What will you see as success this season? We want to improve on last year. Uh, Obviously, it was a disrupted season last year, but we want to improve on that. Uh, this club is uh, you know, has had some success over recent years in getting to finals, albeit not, not won any, but at the same time been really consistent in, in getting to finals. So with that comes expectation. Uh, I'm looking forward to just improving each and every individual at this club. I think that's my job and my remit. Got a lot of potential here. And I want to create a pathway for our juniors, a junior development pathway, which we haven't got at the moment. That's certainly on my radar. And I'm and, and just bringing the best out of this current group. Uh, much the same as, obviously, what Ian Watson did here previously, but at the same time doing things a little bit differently as well. After the Wigan friendly, you spoke about uh, perhaps having to
6: rein the players in rather than, than build them up for, for this first game. Is, is that sort of been the case? as the excitement builds towards round one? Uh,
5: yes and no. I think this, there, there was a lot of positives that... That come out of that game, Uh, lots of positives for the for the for the group. I think they surprised themselves with how well they played. Um, Didn't surprise me. We've we've worked really hard over pre season on basic core skill, uh, some defensive structures, uh, attacking and kicking, and all everything that goes with the game. Um, Yeah, I don't think rain in the minute. You know, you need to play on the edge. You need to play with an enthusiastic pack and. And, and some devastating backs and that's what we're looking to do. Um, we've practiced that way and we can, hopefully we can perform that way as well. You perhaps wouldn't choose to play the, the back-to-back champions
6: in round one and there's a couple of extra bits of interest obviously with your own relationship there and different things, but is this an opportunity to, to show what Salford are about straight from the off in a way that perhaps they didn't do round one last year?
5: Yeah, and, and obviously coming from Saint Helens, it's a wonderful club. Um, the supporters, the fans, the players, the coaching staff have got great deal of respect and admiration for that club. And you know, we want to try and emulate a team like Saint Helens. There's a lot. There's a lot that's good about that club. Um, Is obviously like any any organisation. There's a couple of things there that we that, that we're looking at on the field. Um, but there's not many weaknesses within that team. They're a world class team. Um, the squad that Christian's put together, I'm sure, will be will be equally as good as last year, if not better. Um, for, for for us, uh, it's a new team. This is a new team. We'll probably have six or seven players making their debut for the club uh, on the weekend. And and, and you know, we it will take time for us to gel as a team, to learn each other's uh, nuances. But at the same time, it's we just want to throw them out there and, and, and go against the best team uh, in, in the country, which Saint Alan's are.
1: Tell you what, Richard Marshall—he sounds up for the season.
2: He's always up for it, isn't he? No matter where he's been throughout his career, he, as a player, as an assistant coach, as a head coach, when he's bats against the wall, he's always confident he can get the job done, and he's always up for the fight and the challenge ahead, isn't he?
1: He definitely is. Yeah, and what what I
2: really—he's he, he, Mister Motivator.
1: I was going to say what I really like about him. It, it, you know, he reminds me of myself in a way. Because I'm always, you know, fairly bright and fairly chipper when it comes to rugby league matters. So I want to see the best of it. Uh, I want to always be that that guy that, you know, is talking positively about the sport. You know, and and, and uh, you know, I want it to grow. And I get the feeling Richard Marshall's much the same. You know, he wants his players to improve. he, he wants to do everything he can to make them better players individually, which means that ultimately he'll get a better team performance.
2: Fingers crossed he will get that and get the success he deserves because, you know, he did a really good job under real difficult circumstances at Halifax. Um, Like you say, he's been the assistant at Saints for a few years, so it's good to see that. He's got his own gig again and he's getting the opportunity to test himself at Super League. Hopefully, um, it will be a success for him.
1: One thing that I have liked in this pre-season is the fact that we have had players stepping forward and actually talking a little bit about their ambitions for the year. So we've heard off the coaches' side of things. Uh, two guys that were speaking in midweek were none other than Salford skipper Lee Mossop, who reckons that he's in better form that now than he was back in 2013 when he represented England. Does he still have international thoughts about his career going forward? Let's hear from him now.
0: And what are your hopes personally
6: for this year? To be fair, mate, mine, mine have been the same for the last few years. Um, I've probably been the last. So sort of the last couple of seasons, I've been more vocal about it. Um, I played in the two thousand and thirteen World Cup, and that was probably my my best my best season as a player. I won the double with Wigan, signed an NRL contract, played in the World Cup, um, and then I had a pretty swift fall from grace. I Had some horrible shoulder injuries and I went from sort of the top to the very very bottom and I struggled for form for a few years but I feel in the last couple of seasons in my opinion I think I'm playing better than I did when I was picked for the 2013 so I I feel like I'm getting to the back end of my career now and I think I'd want nothing more than to get back into that international setup and hopefully I can sort of push for that this year. Having sat out the the winging friendly with that suspension, how much are you just raring to go now, round one? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, it, you know, it's probably it's probably shocked a lot of us because just of how long this pre-season has been. I think at the back end of last year, we were all sort of earmarking, oh, do you know what? We're going to probably have the shortest pre-season we've ever had here. If we get started in Feb, uh, it'll be a quick one, a couple of weeks before Christmas, a couple after it, and it's not worked out that way, but... Yeah, I was a bit jealous last week when they all got to play uh, against Wigan, we had a a solid hit out as well and I wanted to, like probably everyone, I wanted to just have a a blowout game before we started playing, uh, just to get rid of all them sort of, bit of that rustiness, uh, but it wasn't to be, but um, with what Rich has brought in, I'm I'm pretty confident, Uh, we've done a lot of contact, a lot of wrestle, which is probably what you, that's what probably hits you the most in the first few games, but... Um, I've been lucky enough this pre-season. I've got to do absolutely everything. I've done probably more wrestling contact than I ever have for the last five or six years. So, um, yeah, I just can't wait to start now on
1: Friday. Lee Moss up there. And he's sounding confident. He's sounding like they're in good nick with what they've been doing at Salford.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Um, It's a bold statement to say he's in the best form now than what he was in 2013. Um, if I was the Wigan coach at the time, which was being Sean, I'd be thinking, hang on a (laughs) minute. You should have been in your best form in 2013, pulling on the cherry and white.
1: Oh, well, he was in good form that season. If you, if you go back, because wasn't that the season when he agreed that move to the NRL. And then for some reason, the following year didn't really happen for him there. And he ended up coming back. So, um, so, so yeah, so I think he did have a good season that year. And again, he, he picked up international recognition at the end of the year in that the, that World Cup competition. 2021 is an entirely different beast though, isn't it?
2: Well, it is for him because he's eight years older.
1: Uh, another man that's getting older is none other than Zach Hardacre who's had to juggle in the pre-season with uh, a new family. He's had a new arrival. He's, he seems and sounds like he's well settled. He was asked about his own hopes for his international recognition come the end of the season, and this is what he had to say: "The World Cup
7: is a massive aim for myself, but um, first and foremost, it's it's playing my part for, for Wigan. And I know if my my performances are good for Wigan and, and the team is going really well, then that 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 really propels you to to get picked for your for your international." um status. So that's got that's got that's the forefront of my mind. I've got to play as well as I can for Wigan. Um, you know, um I speak to Sean Wayne, I spoke to him a few times already. Um and he, he you know he I think he said in the press himself whoever's playing the best at that time they will get picked. Um whether you've got fifty caps or you've got no caps. So he, he's putting all the onus and all the pressure on on, on the players themselves. So um look obviously I, you want to Play for your country as many times as possible, and the World Cup you can't get any much can't get much bigger than that as well. So it's definitely a massive aim. Um, you know, being able to play fullback these, this well, this first week for for definite. Um, in the next coming weeks, I'm not quite sure yet, but uh, we'll we'll have to cross that when we when we come to it. But um, yeah, it's just about me myself, just just performing as best I can really, whether that whether that's in the centres or or at fullback, and then. Um, We'll see how Sean Wayne picks his squad um, throughout the year. I think we've got a meeting next month as well. So, you know, there's things in 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 place uh, for the England lads that are picked already. But um, you know, he, he's made no uh, no hiding about if you're not playing well, he'll cut you, and if you're playing well, he'll he'll pick you. So that that's he's put that on to us. So and everybody who who has been in touch with him uh, knows that. So um, yeah, it's just about be my uh be my best for wigan and then see where it takes me from there
1: zach hardaker there nice to hear him sounding so settled actually because you know he, he's been that wild man in the past hasn't he? he served his bands he's done his time but it just seems like he's got his head on uh he's had that family which really seems to have calmed him down somewhat and he, he sounds like a far more focused individual now he's
2: had a call for career hasn't he um Certainly the last couple of seasons have been a bit a bit ropey for him off the field you know, with his issues, but it's good to see that he's um, settled down uh, uh, and focusing on playing with the league because when he does that, he's a fantastic athlete.
1: He does. And, uh, you know, do, do you think he'll get that call from Sean Wayne? Interesting to hear that Sean Wayne's in touch with a lot of the top players already this season.
2: I think he will, you know. I think if you're going to go for full-backs uh, for England, uh, Zach Ardek
1: has got to be up there.
2: Well, I think a lot of the Wigan boys are going to be hell bent on getting their hands on the grand final trophy after what happened last year against Saints.
1: You have to keep bringing that up, don't you? You know those those Wiganers. They'll be sending us. They'll be sending us hate mail, you know, because we keep mentioning the fact that Saint Helens beat them in a grand final last kick of the it's game.
2: Not, having nightmares about it. So until they um, uh, win that trophy, they'll be they'll be looking to exercise the ghost of that.
1: We heard from Adrian Lamb last time out, didn't we? He was talking just about that, how it's a a memory that's still etched in his mind. Um, And I just wonder how many more of those Wigan players, it's just they're a recurring nightmare, you know, that sometimes gets in their heads late at night and perhaps they're waking up at half three in the morning. Or is this just my interrupted sleep patterns, mate? That's
2: probably just your interrupted
1: sleep patterns. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll move on then, shall I? (laughs) Uh, as we're recording this, uh, we're just before Super League kicks off. Uh, it looks like a blockbuster first two weeks of the season, that's both taking place uh, in one particular venue. So the first round is taking place at Headingley over in Leeds, the second round over at the Totally Wicked Stadium in St Helens. Uh, and I think we've got some interesting ties here, to be honest, to open the season. So I'll just quickly run through them, and then you can tell me who you think's going to win them. Okay, Friday night, we have St Helens against Salford Red Devils. Who's going to win in that one? I said St
2: Helens.
1: Say so that again, because it went a bit... Ugh.
2: Sorry, I, went, uh, I said St Helens.
1: St Helens. Comfortable or quite close?
2: Because it's the first game of the season, I think it'd be uh, quite close.
1: Okay, then uh, for me, the tie of the round, but I will say this as a biased Lee fan, Lee Centurions against Wigan Warriors.
2: I'm going to go Wigan.
1: Ooh... Ooh, that's me and you not talking, mate. That's me and you not talking. (laughs) I don't think
2: we'll be getting off to a win start for
1: 2021. Saturday sees Wakefield Trinity against Leeds Rhinos. Who's your winner there? Leeds. And Catalan's Dragons taking on Hull Kingston Rovers.
2: You know what? I'm going to say Hull Kingston Rovers on that
1: one. Ooh, you think that uh, the new signings will bed in quickly to, to interrupt Catalan's?
2: I think they'll be keen and eager to impress fairly quickly. I think they'll be up for that one. um, Catalans are notoriously slow starting in the season, aren't they?
1: They are. Yeah, yeah. that might actually be quite a good shout, to be fair. Then Sunday sees Hull against Huddersfield Giants. New coaches all round?
2: I know it's the the clash of the two new coaches at the helm, but you've you've got to go with Hull FC just because... Just because the amount of quality they've got within that team, it's frightening when they pull when they pull
1: it off. It's all about consistency though for Hull. Because the 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 only thing consistent about them is the fact that they're so inconsistent.
2: No, <laughs> no. Hopefully Brett Hodgson can make them consistent though.
1: Let's see if that happens. And then finally go
2: on
1: And then finally to round off round one, Castleford Tigers against Warrington Wolves. It's a clash of the two coaches who are leaving come the end of the season.
2: It is, isn't it, and uh, once we well, let's face it, had another disappointing end of the season last year, didn't they? And saw the cattle for the both one to got off a winning start. That's a toughie, that one isn't it? Can we have draws there anymore? We can't, can we? It's still golden point. It goes
1: to golden point, yes.
2: Oof, dude. I'm going to say a draw after eight minutes. That's going to be settled by a golden point, but I don't know which way.
1: Oh, could 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 be a time for Austin to step forward potentially, or maybe up for uh, for the Wolves.
2: Well, who's the best best drop goal kickers in in both of them two? It's going to be a shootout between Danny Richardson and um, Blake Austin, isn't it? Who's got the edge out of them two for the drop drop kicks?
1: It'll be an interesting old game, that's for sure. Uh, Now, we're going to be recording after Super League Round 2. So, Super League Round 2 is all taking place at uh, St. Helens, and I'll run through... Who the fixtures are going to be? So on the Monday Thursday evening, it's Easter. Oh, it's Easter. Isn't it? it's, Easter. Yeah. it's Easter weekend. Big Easter weekend. It's the first round of the championship be, as well.
2: It's going to be the first time, by the way, no two rounds of the Super League. I've never known that ever in the world of the League.
1: I know, I know. It is a bit strange, isn't it? But then it's again.
2: Really- Tony Smith and the Aussie coaches have got their way finally in 2021.
1: Ah, but have they when you look at the end of the season and all those games which are packed into the last eight or nine weeks?
2: No, listen, for years, Australian coaches and players have moaned about the two games over Easter. They've got their wish for this year.
1: So now they've just ben, got to...
2: It was back to the fiction.
1: Now they've just got to pay 14 games in the last 10 weeks of the season. So, yeah, they've just yeah, changed it. <laughs> yeah,
2: unfortunately, that's... You've got, you still got what they wanted, though,
1: haven't you? Yeah, they have, they have. But um, let's get back to these fixtures. Yeah, you, we, we we sort of went went off on a tangerine, didn't we? Went off on a tangent. So, the first game of the Easter weekend sees uh, that uh, that that clash that everybody looks forward to at Easter: Wigan against Wakefield Trinity. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic
2: Easter fixture, isn't it? I'm going to go Wigan on that. One. Yeah.
1: Uh, then we have Hulkingston Rovers taking on St Helens.
2: It's a bit of a theme going on here, isn't it? There? There's no derbies over Easter, is there? Um, you've got to go Saints for that one, haven't
1: you? We have got a derby, actually. Good Friday, good Friday. Warrington against Lee Centurions.
2: Oh, of course. Um, I'm going to say it's a winless start for Lee, going after that one. So, yeah, it would be um, Warrington for a home win.
1: Leeds Rhinos against Castleford Tigers. This is where your no, no derbies has really gone against itself for you, mate.
2: It hasn't it. No, um, oh, pick a winner out of them two, Leeds Rhinos.
1: This other traditional fixture: Huddersfield Giants against Catalans Dragons. I'm
2: going to go with Huddersfield Giants in that.
1: And finally, I think this will be the re- the tie of the round. To be honest, Salford Red Devils against Hull FC.
2: What a game that's going to be! Uh, I'm going to go whole FC just because of the extra quality they're going to have over Sulpur, over but, but it'd be a heck of a game. I, I know what I did say in one of them fixtures it's going to be a home win, but they're all at the same time, So, what am I on about?
1: Well, th- th- there is some teams that have to act like it's the home fixture. So, for example, post match, you know, like we, we're doing all this stuff on Zoom. The, yeah. t- the team designated, the home team, has to arrange all the post match stuff, you know. So, you actually, so for example, you know, this particular round, Warrington against Lee Centurions, for example. If I'm yep. wanting post-match the press conference, I've got to contact Warrington rather than uh, rather than Lee. Ah, oh,
2: okay.
1: So, and anyway, you know, we, we we like to tell people what's going on as well because it's a bit different because I'm guessing a lot of people out there in rugby league land are sort of wondering how it's all working when there's only <laughs> a few of us allowed in the stadiums. And no one's
2: allowed in the stadiums, so... How's it operate behind the scenes? Well, you just give them a little bit of an insight.
1: Yeah, we'll do more of that, I think, over the course of the season because it's a bit interesting, you know, because it is all different. Listen, that's what we're here for on the final whoful <laughs> tell you what we're also here for we're also here to uh, to talk rugby league uh, and we mentioned at the at the start of the show the fact that the pre-season is done and dusted um, we mentioned that uh, Adam Milner's been awarded his 10-year celebration at Castleford we also mentioned Tommy Makinson marking 10 years at St. Helen's Chris Hill marking 10 years at Warrington interestingly. Both uh, St. Helens and Warrington had Lee in the fixture list to play against, which for the first game... Wasn't okay. Yeah, well, the first game for me was tremendous because I've don't. Well, i only really seen Lee beat St. Helens. I know they did it in the last round of uh, the last time they were in Super League, but um, they managed to do it. 25-24, really good game. Uh, I spoke to Tommy Makinson afterwards, and these are his thoughts about his testimonial, first of all. First of all, Tommy, congratulations on your testimonial. Um, how's it gone for you? Obviously, you didn't quite get the results, but, um, you know, you must be so proud of what both clubs have put together for you. Oh,
0: yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. Just so proud of, of our club, Saints, for obviously giving me opportunity. It would have been, you know, it would have been so easy for everyone to say, right, well, you know, due to Covid, we can't play, you know, can't give you a game. And and then, obviously, Lee Centurions just, just coming here, you know, knowing that there's no, you know, none of their fans, and you know, it's just a warm up game for them, and and obviously giving me the opportunity to stream it. You know, so many people to thank. Obviously, our league, RFL, and all my committee members. It's been absolutely brilliant, and yeah, I'm, I'm just a real over, over overwhelming feeling of pride, really, and, and how much uh, how, how grateful I am. So yeah, brilliant.
1: It was really good as well to to sort of see more of the young blokes. I mean, we saw what they were like last season playing against Salford. Uh, but they all stepped up again tonight, didn't
0: they? Yeah, really proud of them, them young lads, you know. I, I think it gives me pride, you know, walking out with them and, and knowing that the next generation is coming through, you know, Josh Eaves, Matty Matty Foster, you know, Lewis Dodd, Jack Wellesby, you know, knowing that I'm, I'm on the field with them, it gives you that sense of pride and knowing you're a bit you've been on that journey before. And whenever they play, you know, they're, they're at this club for a reason and they never let themselves down. And there's gonna be a big, you know, a big future here at Saints with them coming through just like there always is. And, Yeah, really proud of them tonight and uh, wish we could have got a win for them. But, yeah, in the end, it it wasn't meant to be. I'm
1: guessing that a lot of those lads will will look up to you in the same way that you looked up to a lot of the senior players as you were coming through.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, obviously, they ask you a a lot of questions and they just want to improve. That's That's the type of lads they are. You know, all they want is advice and, you know, friendship. You know, you show them the ropes. You know, what's, you know, what what's got us into these positions and yeah, they're learning off your day-to-day and, and that's exactly what the example I want to be like. I want to be like, you know, your Paul Wellins is your School Thorps, your Sean Wongs and, and people like that who, and hopefully they can look at me like that. And Yeah, I was disappointed tonight when I went on in the last 20 that we couldn't quite, you know, lead them about and, and get that win but uh, every game's an opportunity for these lads and, you know, we, we've seen before last year when when they played, it's uh, exciting for Saints and yeah, I'm really proud that
1: they're coming through. Tommy Makinson there. A real gentleman of rugby league. I, I I like speaking to him. You're always guaranteed a, a good interview with Tommy.
2: Former international player of the year one year, then you know, and caused a lot of controversy with that with that decision being made in his favour. as well. You remember?
1: Golden Boot winner, yeah. Golden Boot winner, yeah. Definitely.
2: Yeah, he's picked Lee. Is that because Lee's a small town in Wigan? Because he's a Wiganer. Is Tommy?
1: Oh, don't you start. <laughs> ah, you tipping against Lee all the way through this. And calling us a small town in Wigan, that we're going to have words. It's a good job you're you're over in Widness and we're speaking via Zoom.
2: It is, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people would have expected Tommy's to maybe pick Wigan because he is a Wiganer, but yeah, he's picked the the second team in Wigan in Lee Centurions. You mentioned the fact that he had to uh, double back up against um, Warrington for Chris Hill's testimony, which would have been the obvious choice for Chris Hill being a former league player but uh, you hear know, you know coaches more than about short turnarounds. I don't think John Duckett would have been happy about
1: that. Um, no, well, they actually ended up putting the game back by 24 hours at Warrington uh, because of injuries and th- this whole sort of test and trace Element that's involved in rugby league now. Um, So there was a couple of players who were unavailable because they were self isolating and they were only able to then play on the Friday. So it ended up with the game being put back to the Friday. Lee brought a couple of lone players in as well, a couple of them from Warrington, a couple of lads from St Helens as well. Um, I thought Warrington were particularly good in that game. Gareth Widder just ran it. And if he plays anything like that over the course of the season, I'll be eating my words because I've said elsewhere he was quite poor last season and he only produced six tries.
2: I think a lot of people will be eating the words because um, a lot of people are predicting Warrington to have not a great season,
1: aren't they? Uh, they look good every time they took the ball to the left hand side. They looked absolutely deadly, and uh, granted, it was a very young opposite edge if you like for Lee. But they've still got to score the points against them, and that's exactly what they did. Lynham scoring a hat trick in that game as well.
2: Mention try scorers, and uh, listen, it's your testimony. You get, you got to come up with a, with a try. So Chris Hill would have enjoyed that one.
1: Oh, definitely. And we're going to hear from Chris now, as uh, uh, I got him to reflect on his career and uh, moving into more of a mentoring role with younger players as uh, as his career has progressed. How do you sum up this last ten years that you've had here at Warrington? It's been fantastic, hasn't it?
8: It has, it has. But I, ne- I would never have got that opportunity without Lee. Um, I've always said that, I've, I've said that in any interviews, even when I got international, I don't think I've ever made it without them six, seven years at Lee and what I did um, and what they did for me. So I'm greatly appreciative of that. And like I said, over the 10 years, I think if anyone would have said to me, and I said this to the boys yesterday, um, at team run, I think if anyone would have said I've been in the 10 years when I first signed in 2011, I'd have laughed at them, you know what I mean? It's, it's pretty unheard of now, 10 years straight at a club. Um, but no, I've had I've had some great times with my, my family, and, and I've had some great times and travel the world, and you know, I couldn't have asked for a better club to
1: do it with. It just shows as well, because I mean, when you came in, you were looking up to prop forwards, and now you've got the new the, the new lot of prop forwards coming through, looking up to yourself. Yeah, it's good,
8: and it keeps showing you your toes as well. We're saying that I mean Philbin at side and like Ribaduro and people like that, and heard you come on for the last couple of minutes. There's a lot of talent coming through now. Um, all this pandemic and, and the reserves and all that we need to get that back rolling now and um so no there's a there's a lot of talent coming um just need to be back back to where we was before the reserves and constant constant stream underneath for the championship as well i think there's a lot of talent there um
4: so yeah
1: is that a role that you're enjoying more you know these days seeing the younger lads come through and sort of helping them out what are they like you know are they sort of keen and eager to learn off you they're very
8: keen and eager and like i said before they keep on your toes so i'm doing extras drag them along with us and then they do extras and they drag you with us so it's good for both ways um yeah there's some young pups and it makes you feel when you look at their ages and that and you feel when they're born in 2004 and 2000, makes you feel old, but no it's good um and i do like mentoring and I, they're the next English talent coming through and, and that's what I like to see.
1: Is that potentially something you can see yourself doing? I know you've hopefully still got a few years left on the playing field but can yeah, you it's see all, yourself yeah, in a mainstream role?
8: It is. It's always always something I said I'd like doing It. I don't think I've ever go into coaching. Um, it's not something that I just, just fancy. Too much stress. I've lost too much effort. Anyway, <laughs> um, I don't think it's something but I think the the role of bringing your kids through and, and like, like what Fitzy did when he was... Um, play a welfare game, summit behind you for when you finish. And I think it's massive. I think it's I think it's been lost a little bit within sport and not everyone makes it. Not everyone makes it top level and I think you have to have something fall back on and it's definitely something I'd like to go into, as well as bringing the young ones through, getting into real life as well.
1: I mean you got yourself set up pretty early on, didn't you?
8: I did, yeah, I did. And it's something I've always done and I don't know if it's, if it's out of the young lads at the minute or most of them. I know there's some hard working young lads, don't get me wrong. And um, I think you just need to instill that in them. And there's a life without rugby as well, and there's a long life after rugby if you do make it anyway. So, no, enjoy your rugby while you can and take all the memories, but think of after as well. And It's good as well since I, I did my plumbing and stuff like that. It takes your mind off rugby. I think if you rugby, rugby, rugby constantly, you get, it does get a little bit too much. Um, I go home and, and work, and then I go to work again in the morning, which is my rugby, so it's good. It's hard. It's a hard balance, but it's good.
1: So there's Chris. Great to hear him talking a bit more, and he, he speaks some sense, because I know that Chris was one of these guys he got set up in business and doing his plumbing really early on in his career.
2: Did you know he's got a bathroom? Um Kitchen company. Wow, there's that much advertising for it during the uh, footage. You wouldn't have guessed it, would you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, fair enough. If you can't if if you can't use your own your own testimonial game to advertise your company, then it's not worth yeah. having one, is it? See,
2: Chris, so what he's done is really good because he, he he knows players don't earn a, a massive amount of money during their playing careers, despite what people may think. I and mean, don't get wrong, Rugby league players earn decent money, but it's not. You can't retire on it for the rest of your life. You've got to have something else uh, for when you're packing playing. And the good thing about Chris Hill is he's probably played alongside players who've retired early and not had a backup plan to fall Mm -hmm. back onto. So he's got something in place. He's made a success of it. Um, And that's there for him to concentrate on when his days do come from then as a rugby league player. And as a mentor, he'll be probably pushing that. Idea into into these young young players' minds when they enter the world of rugby league.
1: Let's hope they take him up on it because uh, we, we quite often, uh, unfortunately, hear of players struggling once the playing days are done, particularly in these days of of um, you know full time professionalism. You, you didn't really seem to to have it in the past when people were were working at the same time because they'd not got as much time on their hands, had they?
2: With that in mind, with what Chris wants to do with young players. Uh, It's quite apt that that is happening when you think about Ashley Gibson, the age of thirty-four, retiring from the World Rugby League, and now he's got to think back and think. He's got to sit down and think, right, what do we do? And I noticed in one of his interviews, he did he did contact Steve McCormack in his role with the RFL to Mm. get some advice. Mm.
1: So it it does just show, and it's it's a real shame for Ashley Gibson. I remember his debut actually, because his debut against uh, Lee for Leeds he was absolutely brilliant he scored 24 points i think it was a hat trick and he kicked a few goals as well um and i thought this lad he set for you know international stardom he was that good on his debut he really was the standout player on that particular day and and then again he'll look back and he'll think I've had a really decent dig but injuries have sort of caught up with him at, at crucial times unfortunately so it's meant that he's not stopped as long at Leeds for example as he would have liked uh, Wakefield he had his issues there as well and uh, I, I know that diabetes is one of his reasons for, for retiring now so let's hope that he gets you know, his, his health seen too and that he, he does have a long and prosperous life after Rugby League because that, that's what it's about but he's, he's he can retire with, with lots of good memories but um, Yeah, really encouraging to hear him sort of take those steps with the Rugby League cares and with speaking to Steve McCormack.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. So with that in mind, I'm sure Crystal will be using that just to make these players, younger players coming through, to think about what you've got to be doing while you're still playing. Think ahead um, of your retirement. And it's difficult to do that because you don't do that. I mean, even rugby league fans who will be listening to this podcast that they've started the world of work mm. and then when you're 20 when you're leaving school, sorry, but that the last thing you're thinking of at that age is retirement mm. Mm. And, and planning ahead, isn't it? You only really think about it when you're at 60.
1: There's a message there for all of us, really, isn't there? To be honest, you know what what Chris has said, and then taking into account, you know, experiences of players who've had to retire early through injury, ill health, or any other reasons. So, um, yeah, a lot for us to think about. Tell you what, though, mate, we've run out of time. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna see what we can do with regards getting a, a stellar guest list next time out as well. But I can't promise, but I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Adrian, it's been great having you alongside me once again, virtually. As always. And uh, we'll see you very soon on the next Final Hooter podcast on com. Cheerio.